The Rufus Project would like to advise the following podcast contains spoilers for Scott Pilgrim vs. The World from 2010. If you do not wish to have this movie spoiled, please watch it before listening to the following podcast. We would also like to advise there were some technical issues with the recording, so we apologise for the audio quality in some sections of the following podcast. Is it a love letter to all things geeky? Or is it more like hate mail? We watched Scott Pilgrim vs. The World from 2010 to see if we could redeem it. Were we successful? Find out after the theme. So that it's good, what's this movie do you think we should? It's got bad I love dodgy creatures, but we want to know what the redeeming features. Hello and welcome to the Rufus Project Redeeming Features cast, this time looking at Scott Pilgrim vs. the World from 2010. I am one of your hosts, Trevor Holland, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host... The other host, yes, Christian Fletcher. Thank you so much, Trevor, for welcoming me back. It's always a pleasure to be on the um, Redeeming Features podcast, and who knows where Scott Pilgrim is going to end up this time around. Is it going to be yeah. one that we put on the top of the pile, or the bottom of the pile? We have had a bit of a rough trot recently, <laughs> except for last yeah. time, I think. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're going up and down a bit. I mean, um, we seem to be getting slightly better as we get further through the year, because I know at the start of the year it was just nothing but stinkers. So, um, you know, we'll take each one as they come and, and hope for the best each time. I, I think that's a, the best approach. Definitely, and this is a movie I probably wouldn't have thought to recommend. It was kind of, I suppose, a bit of a sleeper hit, but I'm sure you've got the trivia with that. But um, yeah, so it's 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 good that you've actually suggested this because I don't think I would have revisited it again. So, but yeah, I almost said the, I almost sort of redeemed it. So I'm not. I mean, worked out what I was going to say at the end. So we don't <laughs> want to do that. So no, well, fine, no keep that till the end. No. We shall. So uh, if anyone out there hasn't yet seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, I do have a bit of a, a summary, I guess, of what the movie is about. Scott Pilgrim must defeat his new girlfriend's seven evil exes in order to win her heart. Oh, see, I love a simple plot summary like that. It's almost like for someone like me who finds a lot of things really hard to follow in movies, this sums it up, and I almost wish I knew that plot summary going in. I, I think I would have been <laughs> a bit less boggled than I was possibly at the start. So, yeah, I think that hits the nail on the head and, and, and in simple terms, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, as you were saying earlier, uh, I mean, this one is considered a bit of a, a sleeper, I guess, when it can, comes to um, it, its, uh, its reception out there. So just looking at some of the awards that it's won, and it's got a lot um it's been uh, uh nominated for a saturn award with the academy of science fiction fantasy and horror films um it was uh the american cinema editors nominated for best edited edited feature film comedy or musical um it's got nominations with the austin film critics association the award circuit casting society of america central ohio film critics empire awards the gay and lesbian lesbian entertainment critics association the glad media awards gold derby golden schmoes 
uh, the list goes on <laughs> and um, pretty much you, you, you can think of most categories and it's either one or be nominated. Uh, it got a few honourable mentions in amongst all those. Um, it's got a number of runner-ups. Um, it got like... Uh, most underrated movie of the year, best music in a movie, biggest surprise of the year. These are once the Golden Schmoes Awards that it won. Uh, um, oh uh, Beck, uh, Beck won a Houston Film Critics Society Award for best original song from this movie. The list goes on. I, th- I think pretty easy is to say that if you head to its IMDb page and hit the, hit the, head into the awards, it's um, it's it's. It seems to be well received, so it's kind of you know. I wonder why why something which was so received, so well received, didn't do so well. But uh, I guess it's something that we can examine as we go forward. Yeah, definitely, and and I think actually the fact that it's won that many awards or was nominated for that many, it kind of almost is a statement to the movie itself that has a lot going on and, and seems to be. Very, not very genre specific. It, it sort of tackles a whole heap of different genres. It's sort of hard to know where to categorise it. So I, I can see that it's it's pleasing the science fiction fans, the the gaming fans, and all sorts of people like that. So yeah, I, I I'm not surprised. But yeah, I do remember I was working at a theatre at the time it came out, and I think actually I was still working there about two years later in 2012, and and someone actually ran a screening of it as a bit of a comeback thing, but possibly was maybe two years after the the fact it came out, might have been a little bit ahead of its time, maybe doing a screening, so I'm glad we could revisit it now. Absolutely. Well, we we will move on to the turkey trivia, and I think this kind of shows where it's, you you gotta wonder what's going on, Uh, because a lot of the times like his performance you can kind of link it to the imdb uh rating but this is a big uh big difference so it's rated 7.5 out of 10 on imdb it had a budget of 60 million dollars and its overall gross box office takings were 31.5 million uh even though most commenters like to focus on the fact that it was a 10 million dollar opening weekend um yeah, end up taking about 30-odd all up uh, from the box office, which really still is is not uh, not really considered um, anything but a bomb if if you don't even make back half of your budget. Oh, definitely, and, and I think it's probably one of those movies too that um, Universal Pictures would have had a hard, try, hard time trying to promote or trying to sort of find its, its core audience. Very true. So uh, we'll just get a, a bit of trivia in here. So... One thing this movie does, because um, it's directed by Edgar Wright, and Edgar Wright came up through the ranks from doing music videos, so um, <laughs> he's well known for his his music uh, stuff in movies. And and the four cast members that make up the ba- the band Sex Bobom, uh, they spent several weeks learning how to play together as a band. Mark Webber, Alison Pill, and Johnny Simmons all had to learn their instruments from scratch, while Michael Sarah had to uh, basically. Uh, dumb down his bass playing so that he wouldn't outshine his bandmates. Oh, hey, you, could, you couldn't tell because I think I'd read somewhere that Michael Cera actually is, I think even to this day, still um, is a, is, performs in a band. So, yeah, I can understand that they would have. But, yeah, they managed to do it quite convincingly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which also tells you that, that it was actually them performing in the movie, which is also a, is always a, a nice bonus 
um, when when you've got anything which uh, focuses on, on people in a band. So. Yeah, definitely, you know, and that's the thing, like, you know, this very much fits the sort of rock movie genre, but as I said, it fits so many other ones as well, too, so probably pigeonholing into that is probably unfair to it. Yeah, well, maybe my next bit of trivia kind of uh, starts covering some of that, because uh, Edgar Wright has stated that the movie was done in the style of a musical, but instead of the char- characters breaking into song and dance, they break into a fight. <laughs> well, hence the, I suppose it's perfect with the seven deadly exes. He had a few fights to undertake, but that's an interesting way of looking at it, but I can definitely see his... Um, music video roots so would there have been any iconic sort of videos that we'd know of that he was famous for? Um, I, I, I do keep meaning to look it up I'm, I'm sure that we will know know quite a few but he was quite famous for some some pretty spectacular and over the top music videos from, from what I understand and, and if you see his other work like especially like the, the Canetto trilogy and, uh, and like with Baby Driver like music just plays such a big part in all those movies so yeah you know it kind of makes sense in doing a movie that focuses on a band and other musical aspects i suppose you could say with i want to say too much just yet uh now in this uh one of the evil exes lucas lee uh has a number of stunt doubles and the stunt doubles used were the stunt doubles of the actor who plays him chris evans <laughs> Well, that's funny, because <laughs> I've got a note about that later on, but yeah, it's just one of the sort of gags they seem to have, and that's the thing, I, I get a lot of feelings, it's probably a lot of in-jokes too amongst people that made the movie as well. Yeah, uh, let's put it this way, there's a lot of trivia I haven't listed, uh, because there's so many references to so many different things in this movie, um, from from, yeah, from actors through to movies through to music through to video games we'll get into that um we would be here all night if i went and listed through all the references because that would just there's a lot yeah i think Uh, i did actually see a list once of all the movies that inspired and yeah it's quite a long list (laughs) absolutely now one thing that i just wanted to add which i thought which wasn't in the trivia, but I just thought was a, a interesting little fact, is that two of the evil exes have played comic book heroes in other things. Chris Evans played Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four movies, released in 2005 and 2007, but most people are now probably most familiar with his work as Captain America in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Brendan Ruth played Superman... The title role of Superman in Superman Returns, uh, which was released in 2006, and is currently playing the Atom in the TV show's Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, wow. So it all ties in. So, you know, seven years earlier, they were they were tackling this movie instead. And, and, and one that I probably didn't realise, I think, was that long ago, actually. I think it was a bit more recent, so... It's interesting seeing all those people going on and doing all those, I suppose, similar works, I suppose, depending on how you look at it. Absolutely. Well, we uh, we are in the Renewing Features car, so we probably should move on and see what we're working from. So what I've done is I've gone and grabbed a baseline review from Amazon. It's simply titled Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. No morals. Teaches teen boys it is alright to cheat on your girlfriend, and teaches teen girls it is acceptable to be cheated on by your boyfriend, 
and yet still have his back when he has to fight to keep the girl he cheated with and dump you. I so wish I hadn't got this piece of crap. One star. <laughs> oh, definitely not a fan there. <laughs> but it's also, it, it's really funny when they try and talk about things like that, where, oh, how could he do that sort of thing? But I, I think in the world of Scott Pilgrim, it's, yeah, it, it's really, you shouldn't question too many things, I think. <laughs> no, no. Well, it is based on a comic book. It's actually based on a series of six or seven comic books, which they condensed into one movie. So I think it's quite impressive that, that it does come in at under two hours. Oh, definitely. And, and like, I don't know the lengths of, the, of each individual um, novel, but um, I, I, I'm in the comic books, but I know I did look up earlier all of them. And, and yeah, pretty much each one is pretty much each chapter of the movie. And, and, and yeah, I always like it when they when they play with the studio logo and and they got the nice uh, retro style eight bit game uh, universal logo going on this movie, which was a a nice little touch. Oh, it's so cool because I know over over the years with the redeeming features we have seen some alterations to the logo, and I think that's probably our favorite, my, my favorite one so far, and um and automatically. You know, not knowing sort of anything about it going in, I, I sort of already am thrown into you know, gamer territory anyway with the feel of the film, especially with that, which that is the opening. And uh, actually, another thing that I find is a, a regular trope in the Redeeming Features movie uh, movies is text and narration to set up the scene and this has both but at least it's not very much oh i know and like <laughs> and i think even saying it like i've got here in my notes about you know the opening scroll but i suppose even saying it's in the opening is probably unfair because it's all throughout the film but not in a distracting way but um yeah you're pretty much given sort of i suppose captions and um and little um little quirks and stats on the screen throughout the whole thing, which um which kind of works, and you know as you said is short and doesn't become too uh, too much of a um an eyesore. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly used to effect. I mean, I, I kind of ended up seeing this movie as a movie, a live action movie set in a comic book world with video game rules. I, I think that's probably. Um, the the approach you, you kind of need to take to to start getting your head around what happens in this. Oh, definitely. And I think, luckily, I don't know about yourself, but that I sort of cottoned on quite early with that, thankfully, and managed to not take it too seriously, which I think a lot of people that probably wouldn't have that approach would probably be scratching their head through most of it. But I, I think if you just sort of let it wash over you, yeah, that's pretty much a, a live-action comic book. But um, but what I loved is I've almost got here, it was almost like rock movie meets yeah, hipster meets gaming culture. and Yeah, so, but, you know, pretty much... Pop culture in general is kind of thrown in there, but yeah, if you if you realise that straight away, it's um yeah, it's a pretty big ride. <laughs> yeah, well, especially I mean, when it starts, it, it kind of does start like a like a cutesy indie relationship rom com with a band, but then like when when a new character turns up, there's usually like a little sound effect in the background, which kind of ties into like somebody appearing in a video game. There's like a there's always just like when a new character comes in, there's always just a little something in the background that seems to go with it, whether it's be a sound effect or like it's a little a little title card <laughs> or, or or just you know, just these 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 little bits that add in and you, you, you're watching this thing of, of this guy that's talking about the fact that he's dating a high school girl and everyone 
bar the girl and the band is impressed with it. And, and yeah, it kind of goes along that. Then he, he sees a girl in his dream and, and you know, it's a sort of movie where you expect the trailer to come up with those, like those, a thing about, you know, the Cannes Films Festival. You know, they've always got the scroll work around the outside when they're showing the awards with the with the tinkly music playing in the background, you know. Those, like, more arty movies, that's really kind of what you get from the start of this movie. You know what I'm talking about? I'm just trying to put in words. What I was getting was even more... I was getting already the sort of... I suppose it's probably not a good, probably more of a gem in the holograms, but like like the Josie and the Pussycats vibe. I don't mean that just in the um in the fact that they're a band, you know. And it's good that I can talk about that movie now that we've done it. <laughs> but um the um yeah, but the good thing yeah, but almost you know how they've um yeah with them I suppose it was branding and sponsorship. And like, I think looking back at Gem and the Holograms, it was or sorry Gem, it was um you know sort of like you know their day to day life and then things started to ramp up. So I suppose it was probably trying to to compensate for that. But yeah. That, I mean, sort of show that sort of whole comparison before, you know, things go a bit wild when Ramona comes in. But, yeah, I um, I definitely think, um, I know what you mean about the titles coming up. And, and like, the fact that when a phone would ring, ha- you know, the, the, it wasn't just the first time. They'd use the gag the entire way through where it'd be bring, bring, but it wouldn't just be written on the screen. It would be, I don't know, matching the curtains or something like that. So, yeah, there was very clever stuff happening, you know, early on. Yeah, yeah, so, like, yeah, the action, a lot of the action was... Uh, yeah, accompany it, I guess, with the, um, like, like when you're reading a comic book, you know, you can't hear the sound, so they'll, like, write in what the sound is. And and to, so they had that actually accompanying those, like, those sounds within the movie, like, right from the outset. And, like, even when the band starts playing, you know, they're, they're showing, like, the sound lines and uh, as, like, coming out and blurring the world around them. You know, so it, it that that I think yeah that that really does entrench it with that that comic book style, which I think comes through quite strongly at the start of the movie. Well, that's the thing. Like, even that's for a comic book, it's very much more. It's the game thing that I think constantly comes through. You know, because it's always it is literally like I know obviously when Ramona comes in and he's got to fight the exes, it's always. You're always given the feeling that Scott Pilgrim is a player in a game. Like that's, and it, and it almost started to make me realise that maybe a lot of the stuff that we were actually actually seeing, you know, this, he, this was a normal guy, not normal maybe, <laughs> but living in a normal sort of environment. And everything we're seeing is actually from his point of view, almost like a guy who's obsessed with video games that he pretty much goes into that kind of world. So I don't know if I'm not looking at it a bit deeper, but that's the kind of thing that I was thinking going into it as well. That it was more sort of the gamer feeling. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 kind of builds up. I feel um, o- o- over the start of the movie because yeah, I mean it doesn't go full game until uh, I mean until that that first evil exit does turn up. But even by the time that happens, it's like so much setup is crammed into the start of this movie, um, like when Scott jumps on his uh, his roommate Wallace's computer and goes, hey, dude, I got an email. Hey, dude, I'm reading the email. And and starts reading, you get these flashes up and saying, you know, and it shows the text of, you know, we will be fighting to the death. And he goes, this is so, so boring. <laughs> it's like, okay, interesting. Like, 
and yeah, it just has that like whatever attitude. <laughs> um, but it's also so clever. Imagine planning this movie or, or writing this movie, working out, or like we were saying earlier about every character almost having a sound effect when they walk in the room. Like, yeah, there would have been a lot of planning. But... I'm sorry, more so in the editing process at the end. But, yeah, so clever. And, and the writing is very... I don't know if I'm using the right term, but it is almost that hipster sort of um, mentality. is not the word, but, yeah, that sort of hipster talk sort of, you know, and I think it very much captures, um, I suppose, the modern generation or Gen Y or Gen Z or whatever they're up to now <laughs> quite well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> I'm trying not to rush through the movie because things that do happen so 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 quickly with the setup. Uh, um, but then, yeah, I mean, when it starts going from just oh, here's this guy dating a high school girl, and then he starts dreaming about this girl rollerblading around, and and then when they finally meet, she just goes, oh, this is like a, a subspace highway thing that I use. It goes through your mind. <laughs> so, so sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. It's just like a throwaway line. No one, no, no one follows up. It's just like, oh yeah, it's just something that is. You know, a lot of this movie has these ridiculous, over-the-top things happening, but it's just something that is. Like no one really thinks it's surprising that these things are happening, which I think you know even adds to the the action because no one's really making a great big fuss about it. You know, like. Scott will get knocked through a wall and then you just go, catch a ladder at the cafe. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> no, everyone's fine. Yeah, and it's just so, you know, it's so clever. And I think, you know, as you said, it, people accept it because it kind of just exists in the universe of the movie. And like what I was saying earlier, you know, when you sort of realise that early on and don't take what's happening, you know, too seriously, you can have a bit of fun with it. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I mean, to me, the bit where it, I, I guess where you really get to feel the, what the movie is, is is when they do the the battle of the bands. So many musical references I can make before we get to this bit, but I've just <laughs> really got to touch on uh, the band that they're battling. And one of my favourite songs in the movie is uh, Crashing the Boys with their I'm Sad, I'm So Very, Very Sad song. That is genius <laughs> oh no i know i know i thought that too and i'm even thinking at the time i'm like i wonder if Travis is gonna say something about that <laughs> oh and that's the thing like i know we've said so many other things are happening in the setup but yeah i always i, I was thinking it was then gonna go that whole um that whole angle of being about battle of the bands and sort of you know their rise to stardom but yeah that was that was a clever bit to come through yeah, and then when they do their, their follow-up song because they're being heckled by by Wallace the what is it the Wallace the the cool gay roommate of Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> and he goes, you know, this is for the guy that keeps shouting out, "We hate you, please die." <laughs> and then while they're singing, and they they cut through to Scott um, having a chat, well, Scott with the rest of his band, and the lead singer of the band just going absolutely mental. But instead of like. Instead of like quieting down the music so you could hear what what he could say, you could just hear what he was saying behind the music, and they just had the the subtitles of what he was saying appearing <laughs> underneath him. It's just like that is perfect. Like it didn't take away from from what was being played, but still well, well and truly conveyed what was happening. Uh, you know, off stage. 
And that's the thing, it's just so clever. That's just one of the examples of the sort of things that they were doing, too. Yeah, and the text on screen, you know, like the, you know, I was saying earlier about, you know, the ring and all that sort of stuff coming up from the phone, but even parts when it's almost like a statement for the, I can't remember if it was a bit later on, but a statement, but it ends up becoming the stage of the next scene, you know. It just, yeah, it's it's very well done. <laughs> and it almost, yeah, it, it calls on you to almost want to rewind and go, well, did I see those, that what I just saw? Mm-hmm. It- Oh, God, where to go next? I <laughs> know, oh, there's just so much. You know, ladies and gentlemen, this is what it's like to watch this film as well. <laughs> Lots is happening. Yeah, yeah, but, um, I mean, so, yeah, so Sex Bomb finally get up on stage and they're, they're playing their set when uh, the first evil ex-boyfriend just crashes through the uh, through the roof and just comes flying down straight at Scott and... Um, after their initial little setup, and and yeah, just suddenly goes into fight game mode, <laughs> uh, and and you know, typical setup for a fight scene. They're talking to each other and trash talking each other, I guess. And then I don't know if this was Edgar Wright trolling us because I know he said he set it up like a musical, but with fight scenes instead. But but then the first boyfriend breaks into a Bollywood number. Oh, and, and, that's, and that's the only time I, I think one of the other characters actually has a, a reaction to, <laughs> as, if, as if it's something out of the ordinary because um, Anna Kendrick, who plays Scott's younger sister in the movie, just goes, what? <laughs> as he starts singing. Well, that's what I was thinking as I was watching this. And I'm like, it's not... <laughs> He starts floating in the air, and the next thing he's got these, I mean, these devil angels flying next to him. It was almost like this twisted version of Moulin Rouge or something. The the, the demon hipster chicks, because we find out just before the fight starts that he's got mystic powers, thanks to a little a little um, flashback done full comic book style, as, oh, uh, see, I love as them. Ramona explains who it is. Because they did that, I think, did we end up getting one for all of them, the comic book one? I know it came up at least, you know, um, three or four times. But, yeah, yeah. No, that was so clever how they did that, you know. And, and that was a good thing, paying tribute to its comic book roots, I suppose, the whole way through. Yeah, I think only about three of them got the, um, got the full flashback. Yeah, I was thinking that. Hey, it would have been a longer movie, so maybe it was good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I certainly would have happy, happily sat through more of them because yeah, they were extremely well done and and they were done um, fully in the style of of the original comic book as well. I have read the first volume, which leads to just after the fight that we're discussing right now, and that's where it stops. Um, I would definitely like to read more. Let's put it that way. It's uh, quite a quite a good read. <laughs> Now that I know what's happening, I think I'd be able to make sense of it. So, but yeah, because this is, you know, as we said, with, you know, with all the sort of um, setup beforehand, yeah, this is pretty much, yeah, knowing that she's now, he's now got to defend, I mean, to fight these seven ex-boyfriends, but we've got um, yeah, that, that mythical number, I was literally like, what? I just thought it was very creepy. But as you said, it was probably him trolling us because he would have made it better, <laughs> I think, if it was, wasn't meant to be a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but then... The full-on fight scene starts, and it's just the voice going, Combo! Reversal! <laughs> and it's like straight out of a fighting game. Um, and, and again, it works well. And what also was quite refreshing, because you, you see a lot of these sort of movies where they have actors who aren't necessarily um, fighters, and there's always like all these you know quick cuts every 
like every second there's a quick cut to try to make it look more action-packed than what they could really do but uh, I, I i did try to pay particular attention and and with this they, they do actually hold the shots and and you do get to see these people and, and you can see it's them um doing these obviously very well choreographed and well rehearsed fight scenes and and that itself was refreshing because I just like I said, just think to some other movies that we've seen where the action heated up between two people that weren't really capable of carrying the action, and 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 you have these ridiculous number of cuts within like you know you have twenty cuts in ten seconds, and you're just going just stop it. So um, I, I was very happy that the fight scenes were uh, were very well shot, and that's a good thing considering they're asked. You know, a few of them in the movie as well and pretty much makes up the, the crux of the film but my favourite bit which I love at the end and which I thought you were going to say is in you know in anything where they do sort of tributes to this you know it'll have the person <laughs> receiving their, their prize or that up on the screen or something I love the fact that the coins and the tokens <laughs> at the end of a jewel yep. will just fall from the sky you know and again one of those things that they just accept and I think you know, not to step too far ahead, but one of the last ones, I love how I think it's the only time is when the band members go, oh, yeah, we need this. <laughs> this is probably the first time anyone actually sort of pays any attention to, to picking up coins. So <laughs> I liked that bit, bit of reality. Yeah. And that's the thing. It, it does very much have that sort of real side to these characters, but also just exists in this insane universe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like when he when he takes up the first boyfriend, it just KO, and like a, a little score appears on screen, and some coins comes down, and yeah, Scott just goes, "Ooh, coins," and realizes that he doesn't have enough for a bus fare, and he's disappointed about that. <laughs> I know, you're not worried about the shower of coins that just came down, but anyway. But yeah, so um, and and that's what I was thinking. I'm, I'm sure um, gamers like yourself would just absolutely love the way that they've you know they pay tribute to these arcade games with the sound effects and the fights. And and I actually think you know a lot of a lot of gaming um, video game adaptations probably could have taken you know a leaf out of their book for for filming those. <laughs> yeah, I think video game adaptations try to be less like video games and more like movies, where where something like this, which I mean, there's a video game based on this movie, funnily enough. Uh, but, you know, it kind of had that, that um, intermediate step where, where it is. It is like a, that, that, that tribute to, uh, to video games in, in many ways. Um, and, oh, God, so many great lines in it too. So when the second ex-boyfriend turns up, Chris Evans, who's like this movie star and he skates onto set, um, choreographed to the Universal theme oh, song, <laughs> but I love how he even cracks his neck on the bump bump. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> but like you know, he doesn't really want to, I suppose, get involved in the fight. He just seems to be quite dismissive of Scott until Scott just goes, "There are girls watching." <laughs> oh, that's right. He's, he's trying to get him to um to to do the the skateboard. Uh, trick down oh. the rails. He's refuse. He just absolutely refuses until the line. There are girls watching. <laughs> <laughs> then into him and all stunt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and then the only regret because he, of course, he at, at the end of it he he explodes into a shower of coins. His coins you see in the distance. It's just like so. It just goes. Ah, oh, damn it! I didn't get his autograph. 
<laughs> again, one of those things where they don't care about the, whatever's happened. They have that realness about them. But oh no, and that's the and um I, oh, yeah, I, I was went to talk about, but I don't even know if it's there. Gosh, what are the next bit? was? <laughs> oh yeah, because that's right. That were it was filming there. That's right. Up it's the doubles and all that. Gosh. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any point in trying to keep this in any sort of order. I think I think we just yeah, need to it's... focus on. Uh, I, I suppose um, things that stood out in the movie, but then again, there's so much that stood out in this movie. Oh, I know, and that's the thing; it's the confusion. But, but I actually think um, um, Scott sums up. It's got a great line that I think sort of sums up. I think a little bit after here, it sums up the whole movie. You know, it feels like I'm on drugs when I'm with you. It's kind of a bit like that watching this movie. But, and I think it was probably that line that kind of made me think that a lot of this sort of visual stuff we're seeing is actually sort of just from his point of view, not that he's on drugs, just from his <laughs> point of view, and and possibly the fact that um, yeah. Because, you know, whenever she's involved, whenever Ramona's involved, there's always a kind of this dreamlike, you know, mystical sort of thing about her. So, yeah, I thought it was very, very clever in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ramo- we should probably should mention Ramona, the, uh, the, the love interest. Um, I suppose uh, the term manic pixie dream girl is probably, <laughs> um, I, I think, is, is what's usually applied to that sort of character now. Um, she... She's come to Toronto to to get away from her uh, from her ex in in New York, and yeah, all her exes follow her, and they have to fight Scott to the death. So you know that old chestnut. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but that's the one thing I sort of like about it. I think you know they, they sort of still gave them a bit of sort of humanity. They you know even though there wasn't much time to stop and sort of you know develop character as such too much but you know I was good that they sort of gave them you know these backstories and you know they were more than just I don't know straight out of a comic book which was you know I liked when they'd sort of stopped like the, the parts when he was walking with her in the in the snow I think it was or you know just little parts like that again with him coming out with these sort of witty hipster talk I don't know what you'd call it whatever the young folk use nowadays <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they don't use it folk <laughs> yeah, yeah they talk that jive stuff yeah <laughs> That's up to date, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so interspersed between these insane action scenes is just like, yeah, these little character developments and uh, you get to, to see more from the side characters like, um, uh, what was one of the other recurring characters? Julie, um, who we... Who who first forbids him to see Ramona and then uh, he, he heads off to the coffee shop because that's where his sister works, because he wants to talk to his sister. And he gets in there, and his sister's just left, and this Julie's behind the <laughs> counter. And uh, we get a very interesting thing where, like, every second word she says is apparently F, but it's all bleeped out, complete with a sensor bar over her mouth. <laughs> and at one point, Scott just goes, how are you doing that with your mouth? <laughs> And then she tries to, like, wipe over the top of her mouth, but no, nah, it's all, like, normal. <laughs> but then I think she replies with, oh, yeah. there's effing nothing wrong with my mouth. But you know, it's funny because um, Aubrey Plaza played that part, and I think it's funny because mm. I think she ends up then, you know, cropping up pretty much all the, all, you know, the way. I think she ends up being at one of the band things as well, and he goes, how'd you get here? I'm everywhere. <laughs> or she comes back with something like, I have a job, unlike you, or something like that, because yeah. she happens to work everywhere they go. But, yeah, just a little clever things like that where it was almost 
So, I wouldn't say sight gags, but there's very much these sort of recurring gags that just sort of run through it. That, as you said, yeah, kind of giving the side characters a little bit more to do. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, instead of just being someone for the main characters to talk to, they they actually do uh, add their own things to the movie and the experience. It, it, it and yes, yeah, it really really fills out the roster uh, a bit more. Especially when you've got, um, like, because that's the thing I said earlier, you know, you, don't, you didn't know at first where this was going, whether it was going to be gaming or, or you know, a band trying to get to the top. Well, like, you know, several things I know, but I know the big thing that comes in is when um, he breaks up with knives, and it's funny because I'm like, I thought the story was then going to turn and going to be all about her sort of revenge, but, you know, it's um, kind of interesting. But, you know, again, the movie changed so many different directions that, you know, you've got to remember the core thing is, <laughs> is it's defeating those seven X's and everything else that sort of happens around it as well. Yeah, but then, oh, that, actually, that's a really good example of, of use of music because, I mean, so much of the music is, I suppose, um, amateur band type stuff. Like when when Sex Bomber's playing, it's, sort of, it's that really, um, like, you know, slightly dirty, um, you know, fuzzy sound. Like, you know, it's an inexperienced band with their amps turned up a bit too loud. And, and you're like, you know... Each band has their own style, but then when when he breaks up with knives, and they had like a, a thing where where knives fades into the the darkness, and and Ramona comes into focus in his, I suppose in his consciousness or, or whatever he's doing when he's thinking about it, mm. and it's all done over the top of um, what ever happened to a teenage dream, and it's just so well put together. So I think they did that. There's a couple of times it happens where they do similar things, like, you know, sort of what I'd call sort of, yeah, I suppose a music montage, but not not really that. But, yeah, where they've kind of used the sort of, yeah, it's edited together really well. And, and, um, and like you said, with his background being from music videos, he knows how to, you know, I suppose get the right emotion out of uh, using song and visuals. Yeah, I mean, even a bit later, I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much because uh, it was close to the end of the movie, but later when... Um when I suppose the the main bad guy or the the ultimate evil ex turns up and he's driving off, he drives up with Ramona in his car and and uh, it's got under my thumb by the Rolling Stones oh, playing and it's just like that is so good. <laughs> and it wasn't just like it, it wasn't the typical thing where it just opened the door and you could hear it for like one bar and then you know you, the joke's done. That he did keep it playing and then he got back in the car and the song's still playing. Yeah, I noticed that too and thought so you know so well done and what an eclectic soundtrack though. You know, as you said, you've got this fuzzy sort of stuff and then the next thing you've got you know a, a, a pop. A song from pop culture, you know. So, and that's the thing, you know. I don't know whereabouts it was, but I have to mention the fact that they used the Seinfeld theme as well. <laughs> the one part I can't remember <laughs> when he's coming home. It might have been his roommate, and he comes in, and it's like the um, the Seinfeld theme music, and then you hear the laugh track over the next little bit as he's talking. And and God, I think they only used it one little bit, and you start to go to analyse why have they? No, nah, don't analyse it. it. It's just a record of. A pretty popular piece of pop culture, <laughs> but yeah, so it's yeah. just an example of the sort of stuff that's happening. You know. But you will notice with that, so that yeah, the Seinfeld team comes in. They they have their witty dialogue complete with laugh track. It stops the second Wallace turns off the stove. <laughs> and together, a dream. You know, and I wonder if a lot of this stuff, you know, I'm sure a lot of it would have had to have been planned quite well, but I'm sure they would have had a field day in the um, editing studio. 
God, I mean, I, I can't imagine what the planning meetings for this movie was like. <laughs> and even some of the shots, yeah, yeah, even some of the shots. Like I think there's one point where where Scott Scott throws a package over his shoulder and it lands in a bin. I'm just wondering how many times they would have had to do that shot because like Michael Cera does not turn around, and I'm pretty sure it's not special effects. He just throws this package over his over his shoulder without looking, and it lands in this bin in a very very well shot way and it's like okay how many times did you do that to get it right i'm, I'm curious a lot of a lot of use of split screen i know it was huge in the 70s and you know we occasionally see it come through now but yeah no they used it you know not too often but it was a clever way of using it yeah it quite handy at times i suppose with uh with some of the action or just just yeah um when they're trying to show two characters at once the, the line appears down the screen and they're appearing on either side, almost like they're facing off in a fighting game, funnily enough. <laughs> funnily enough, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, oh, God. Um, oh, another, actually, I, I, think, I, I think I do definitely want to discuss uh, the, the other evil ex I mentioned earlier, um, Brendan Routh, who turns up as Todd, oh, the God. bass player of, uh, of Scott's ex-girlfriend's band. <laughs> The vegan. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and um, at at that point, um, Knives has worked out that that's got standing Ramona, and figures that's because Ramona's got cool coloured hair. So so she dyes half her hair blue and starts mimicking Ramona's style, which which actually does freak Ramona out. So again, it was nice to see some stuff that did freak out these people, considering what they just accepted as ordinary. As she's geeking out over Clash of Demon Head, um, Todd just gets up, punches her. You see this bl- splash of blue, and then one of the other characters comes up and just goes, He punched the highlights from her hair! <laughs> <laughs> but I think it even says the second time. What did you say? Or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he punched the highlights from her hair! Oh. <laughs> like he, what? No, I think it's just so clever. Again, how do they come up with half this stuff that happened? But oh, I've got it was uh, you, you mentioned him being the vegan and all that. I must admit, you know, you know how it's hitting on all this sort of, I suppose, common trends or, or sort of the of the modern generation. It was sort of funny that we had a bit of. Um, and then I had to laugh, Trev, when um, Thomas Jane comes in as the vegan police. <laughs> I love the vegan police. Uh, oh, it's just ridiculous, but they committed to it and everything. You know, it wasn't just them running. Just, you know, they even had to arrive in the car with the flashy lights. That's what I mean. This world is insane that they live in. <laughs> yeah, and and even after um after Todd explained that he won't um eat the meat or the milk or the ovum of anything with a face. <laughs> On and then I think is it um I'm not sure if it's, he he does the base battle and then the whole thing comes out that yeah he apparently has eaten stuff before and yeah that's why the um the vegan police come and take him but um but I do like it I think it's clever how they had the whole base battle thing and I, I just wonder if that was a chance mm. for Michael Sarah to have a bit of a, <laughs> a bit a bit more fun on his own with it because yeah it starts off as a normal fight scene which Scott is losing badly until he gets knocked through a bunch of walls and. Then you start just seeing the 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 D note like D D D D D coming out of the hole in the wall as you hear the bass in the background. At which point Todd levitates into the screen to uh, to take on Scott in that bass battle, which again was such a so so well done. And again with the 
like I suppose the the effects of the sound waves actually being shown on screen and and as they battle back and forth. And I think that's the good thing is the fact that there is essentially seven fights or whatever that happen throughout the movie. It's good that they're not also they're not all repetitious. All of them have something really unique and different going on. Probably you know to do with the fact that each one's you know or each one's based off one of the books so you know it kind of can focus a little bit more but yeah no i, I thought that was very clever and um and, uh, and it's it sort of around i know we were starting to realize but you know we're starting to realize that the x's are pretty much all idiots anyway and it's like scott's really you know we, we see scott as being sort of this guy that's not going to be able to stand up to these macho you know muscly guys but at the same time too he always seems to find their weakness which seems to be sort of the um <laughs> the underdog winning so which i liked is and um yeah and a real thing that you start to realize wow i can't believe she dated these idiots yeah yeah but um what one thing you do notice like every time scott says i have to fight your, e- your evil ex-boyfriends and ramona quickly um corrects her to corrects him to exes uh, in order to set up the one that comes after Todd, because she because she'd come in, I think she'd come in in a scene earlier. It's funny because I thought she was that Envy Adams, but then I realised no, she was different because uh, she had that sort of um, that black stuff under her eyes. Yeah, and I realised they yeah. were two different people. But yeah, no, it was cool that they had that. And again, being very modern and um, you know and and open minded there with you know with the casting and and not just going straight for you know going straight for boyfriends so no i thought that was um, a, a good way of doing and very yeah very contemporary <laughs> yeah but they didn't uh, they didn't give her a backstory though because uh, from my understanding is that that they actually did bring in that character just for the movie i'm pretty sure in the comic books it was all ex-boyfriends uh, but you know yeah i was just by curious well, I'm by furious and you know, all those all those gags. and uh, Scott Scott's issue with having to fight a girl is is overcome with uh, again quite a well choreographed fight scene where Ramona basically just gets behind him and and grabs his arms and kicks his feet around so that like she's controlling the fight through him. <laughs> So well choreographed. I know, and I think I even noticed she's even behind him, like, kicking the back of his knees so that he puts his leg forward and things like that. Yeah, it was very clever. And, and I, I do, like, as you said, it was made up, I'm written into the movie, and it was almost like it was so right, I could have a bit of a fight scene or something, even though I know later on she gets one, but we don't want to step too far ahead. But, yeah, I, I thought that was clever too. But, yeah, again, all these scenes are all so different in the way they're done and always in some scene like, you know, in a party or, or somewhere where they're, you know, stopping everything and then just, you know, breaking down into this huge fight. Yep, and, and again, everyone just goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly, everyone just parts. But, it's, again, you know, like I know we've you know, mentioned sort of the editing and stuff like that. The sets are so amazing too. Like, you know, you're going to a lot of, you know, I'm trying to think of, I think that was at the party. And, you know, I know just, just clever ways of doing things where it's just, you know, the, the decor and, and just, um, yeah, it's just really nice to look at. So I think this this movie would have looked quite good on the big screen too. Yeah, I, I have, I would love... Oh, I almost gave things away then. I would be interested in seeing this movie on the big screen, I shall say, with a very plain voice for now, as if anyone couldn't already guess what my final verdict is going to be. <laughs> anyway. Well, I put my foot in it earlier, but anyway. So, yeah, anyway. It's all, so, yeah. So, um, but, yeah, we'll let you know if there's a screening of that happening. Um, by the way. So. <laughs> Not that yeah. I drop a hint. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Uh, but oh god what else happens in the, well, what doesn't happen in this movie 
Uh, yeah, talking about different fight scenes, uh, when when he has to take on uh, X's five and six together, and they turn out to be a uh, pair of Japanese twins who are <laughs> DJs that they've got a battle by playing in a battle of the bands against them where they're playing simultaneously amp versus amp it's like who even thinks of that i know <laughs> but it was so and it's so funny because they literally they started off with putting the you know pushing the note down on the um on the keyboard and i literally was worried that all the dogs in the neighborhood were gonna <laughs> start barking, <laughs> but it literally got you in because you're like going where is this going next because i don't know i assumed when they mentioned i can't remember the the japanese name but i, I when they mentioned the twins i was assuming they were going to be girls i wasn't expecting <laughs> to um yeah two dj keyboardists that would start dueling and so yeah again another surprise yeah, and and create a two-headed dragon with their music. Yeah, that was odd too. I, I, <laughs> but, but honestly, by this stage of the movie, I wasn't scratching my head with things like that. We just see. I think any 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 time we got past that very first song with the um, <laughs> the flying angels or the devil angels or whatever you call them, <laughs> I think once we're past that, I don't question anything now. No, no, because yeah, that that ends up being a fight between. Um, a double-headed dragon generated by the the twins and a some sort of giant troll thing created by yeah, a sex bomb to fight it. I didn't uh, it's get like what that was. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like you know, the the one the 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 thing created by the twins was you know very smooth and very um, precise, whereas the what what was created by sex bomb was just basically the outline of this big bulky creature with very little finesse. And again, that, that like. I think comes with a nice, with that like variation in music between the different bands and the different styles. It kind of was visualized. I don't know that. Oh, I don't that know. scene it does looked... confuse me. I got to admit it... that scene is is always a bit. It... I, I think that that's the one that, that pushes the, the the envelope the most, which in this movie is saying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the thing, I think it's sort of open, it's like with anything like these sort of movies, you know, it's open to interpretation or to, to see again and sort of, you know, kind of grasp what's happening. Maybe it's a statement saying that their music isn't as polished as the other guys, I don't know. <laughs> because, you know, as a band, they seem to keep getting a lot of knockbacks and I, I think, you know, their, their eventual aim is pretty much, I think I can't remember what the drummer Kim says, their eventual aim is just to, what is it, to sell out and make people happy and make lots of money. Hit it! <laughs> I think that's, she pretty much you know, hit the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> we're here to sell out and get rich and stuff <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah that pretty much summed it up because yeah they they as i said going into this movie i was you know whilst it sort of has a lot of sort of sub you know other sort of plotty things happening i was expecting it to be about the rise of the band so you know it, it's yeah it's it, they didn't really have too much luck overall did they but <laughs> they kept trying well we gideon does sign them to a contract and offers to uh to let them play in the grand opening of his new club in Toronto, Gideon being the final X and the head of the League of Evil Xs. <laughs> and it's like, and I was wondering, because I noticed Jason Schwartzman's um, name in the um, credits, and I'm like, how come he hasn't come up? I'm like, ah, of course. And then I see him playing this role. So, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, he's sort of playing the typical, I suppose, slash villain. So, um, yeah, he seems to be loving it. 
complete with um, having almost at the part. It's another scene where I mean it looked visually great. You know, this scene with the huge staircase and him sitting on a throne with a big scepter in his <laughs> scepter in his hand. It was just yeah, it, it was just so extravagant, but almost quite fitting being the last X. Yeah, and that that is so like final boss in a fighting game style as well. It's just things like Streets of Rage or, or Final Fight and stuff like that. The, the, you always get to the end guy. He's always this guy in this massive chair um, with like with henchmen that need to be defeated before you get to him. And, and that's exactly what happens in this movie uh, when, when Scott finally comes to confront him. And that's, and that's the cool thing is that all these so many nods that different people would sort of get, like gamers would be like, oh yeah, you know, on top of the um, sort of comic book stuff as well. So yeah, again, very clever, but by now just so much has been hurled at us that I've kind of like, I think I just sit back and appreciate it now rather than just going, what? <laughs> so yeah, so, mm-hmm. and a lot had happened in the time that we were up to by now because, you know, well, it's just under two hours, but it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> No, I mean, there's one. You can't say this movie goes slow. It's just, it has some slower bits, but they don't last very long. <laughs> exactly, and they kind of just need that to, to compensate for the, you know, how fast everything else had been going. Otherwise, people would just be out of breath. <laughs> yeah, I oh, do appreciate because the slower scenes, like you, you've mentioned, that you know, all these wonderful sets and stuff like that. Those slower scenes are like often set in just like very plain environments. So it's like you know. It's mainly a, a, a like a, a a white snowy area. It's just got like one swing set there. It's very minimal, um, just which again just makes these quieter moments so much of a contrast to to the the more action oriented sections of the movie. I think again, and it all fits. the fact that he lives quite a normal, mundane life, but in his head, he, um, he, he all this other stuff happens. I don't know. That's my theory about the film. <laughs> Okay, you, you say it's it's all happening in Scott's <laughs> imagination, <laughs> or his imagine? No, it, a lot of stuff's happening, but um, you know, seeing obviously all these you know two up and all these extra sort of you know, he's living pretty much in a gaming world. He thinks, but anyway, I'll, I'll have to watch yeah. it again and give you uh, give you feedback about that. Oh, okay, cool. Well, he do, he does uh, he does literally get a life at one stage. What are you going to do now? I'm going to get a life. A little head appears floating in the thing, and he grabs it with a little ching sound. <laughs> <laughs> so well done. <laughs> yeah, which which has a payoff because um, again, this is like another thing I, as a gamer, really appreciated. So you know, he gets to the big boss at the end. He gets to fight Gideon. There's quite a setup, uh, and Gideon runs him through, and he dies, which gets a bit grim in that bit. <laughs> Set in this desert until Ramona reveals uh, to him. I'm, I'm guessing Ramona decides to head through this that little subspace byway that that's in his head, <laughs> and, and reveals to him that that she actually has a chip implanted on the back of her neck, which makes which basically means Gideon can control her. It's like ooh, and uh, and then the the little head appears again, so that he gets to come back to life, and. It's a thing like, you know, when you've gone through a particular stage and you have to do it again and you know what's coming, it always happens quicker. And there was just like this, this like no hesitation on that second run through. He knew exactly what he was doing and then like tries to rush through um, 
what he he says to Gideon before the fight and then still has to listen to Gideon do his full spiel again and you can see the impatience on Scott's face Scott's face and it's like that's exactly how gamers feel when you've been through the same level like four times you have to watch the same thing again and you just want to skip it and get to the action <laughs> it's like you know me <laughs> like even when he gets, I think even when he gets to the guys, you know, when he gets to, to the um the bouncers to go up into the elevator, the f- first time around he says any password, the second time he just punches them out. Okay, I've got no time for this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah. And that's the thing. I almost it was funny. I, I I almost thought for a minute there. I'm like, is my is my DVD copy stuffed up and it's replaying that? Oh yeah, that's right. Cool. I'm just checking because <laughs> it was so well done how they did the whole repeat and everything like that too. So. But then um, as he comes in the second time, um, one of the other characters who was introduced previously as someone who knows everyone, literally had, had um, he walks up to this guy and says, hey, you know everyone? And then underneath him, character name, he knows everyone. Um, <laughs> the second time he comes in, he's just there and he's just there off to the side and you hear him go, well, everyone knows that the comic book is better than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was all these like sort of knowing nods, and I think that's yeah, that's the charm of it. I think, but anyway, no, no, I don't want to say too much. But anyway, I think we've kind of revealed. <laughs> and yeah, that that final fight, it, it, they, they certainly don't hold back. Not only is uh, is Scott fighting Gideon, Knives finally turns up for her revenge. <laughs> she starts fighting Ramona, and then Knives and Scott team up to fight Gideon again and, and we get some very interesting uh, quick cuts like one of the few times they use quick cuts in a fight scene and it's just uh, close ups of Gideon's face being knocked around so used <laughs> quite quite effectively until you know they finally finally defeat Gideon and he explodes into like this massive shower of coin they, they're just standing there going wow there's <laughs> 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 the coins <laughs> shower all around them as they're going yeah okay I agree with that yeah, that that's a, that's a wow yeah that makes sense and hey if he's the main boss it makes sense for him to get that many coins too so oh, but um but yeah no it was um and it was interesting because like what you'd said about well you know doing the whole you know repeated ending I suppose the fact that he could sort of it, it, when she, he was in um, I don't know if it was yeah when he was having that dream sort of sequence and she was saying to him you know you'd pretty much cheated on me etc and so we got to sort of um, have his time over again, I suppose. But yeah, he goes with knives. But then the next thing, she's like, "Oh no, I don't, uh, what is it? I'm too good for you anyway." And then he leaves her to go with, leaves him to go with Ramona. Sorry, I'm trying to remember, make sense of what actually happened at the end. <laughs> yeah, I think the ending got a bit messed up. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have heard that in the comic he does end up with knives, and there is an ending where he ends up with knives, but. It's one of those things where it didn't test well with a test audience. Ooh, I think he he should have just spent some more time with uh, with Negascott. Really, they <laughs> that was another <laughs> video game trope that got put on its head when the the evil version of Scott turns up at the last minute, and then they just end up chatting and and arrange to have brunch later in the week. Yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> he is not. Oh. We have a lot in common, and that's, yeah. a, and that's the thing. I think Michael Sarah is one of those actors where I think not, not many people could have pulled off that role. I think he just sort of has that sort of goofy sort of I don't know what you know that delivery that just sort of works so well for Scott. 
Yeah, I mean, at the start, you think he's just going to be this annoying guy because um, he does do quite a few annoying things. But uh, yeah, because he he looks so so weedy and so so fresh faced, and yet he ends up doing these massive epic battles with people. Um, it, it works well just to have that contrast. I think that that's another thing is like the the contrasts in this movie that they they do balance things out. Yeah, like and it's not just go 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 the whole time. It's the other things they put in to sort of give, give it a bit more of a heart or be a bit more real. Anyway, I don't know, but um, yeah, there's again, there's just so many um, levels. Excuse the pun to, um, to this movie. Yeah, literally, the, the, this, this movie has levels. Uh, one for each, one for each evil ex. <laughs> Probably one of the criticisms I had, though. I think it was before they fight um, Gideon, and they they actually bring up the hit. She gives him the hit list of all the the seven exes. He goes, "Oh, that would have been handy a bit earlier." But I must admit, I was I was thinking the same too. That was one criticism. They should have had that. <laughs> should have had that that list shown earlier, so we knew who was come coming. But I suppose they had to have the mystery. <laughs> Well, I think at that scene, though, that was just after the fight with Todd where Scott got pretty badly uh, pretty badly beat a few times. And he actually says to Ramona, well, do you just have, like, a list or something that you can give me? Or do you want That's me to right, laminate so it for you? <laughs> and, and, and then she actually ends up handing him a laminated list. It's like, okay, so you had a laminator in your purse? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Andy, oh, anything can happen in their world. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, but, yeah, like, I mean, at the end, I'm thinking, was that really a happy ending? I've heard there is a version out there. Oh, you can't find the original ending, and and I'm kind of thinking I, I should have watched it before we've recorded because I'm sure sure as hell gonna try to look up the uh, the nice Chow ending uh, after we finish recording. I think I, I do want to see that because that's one thing I have never seen, and and I have I shall admit it I have seen this movie numerous times <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure Trevor even seeing it that many times you probably still find something new in it every time. Yeah, because. Do you, as soon as you get used to seeing one thing, then you can notice something else. So. Yeah, you kind of you, you kind of go to laugh and kind of assess it or think about it a bit more. But already the next thing's been thrown at you, so you're like, whoa, whoa. So it is like a roller coaster, but thankfully it has those has those lulls here and there to kind of get get mm-hmm. sort of get your breath back. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, so we, we do get to see uh, Scott head off with uh, with Ramona. As the camera pans up to the uh, again video game trope of of the continue ten nine eight <laughs> just in the sky above them, and and then the closing music goes out to to video game style remakes of the music that was in the movie, which again was a, a nice little touch. Don't That's mind the odd. Don't mind the odd the odd chip tune, and 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 those were certainly some good ones over the closing credits, which. Made the closing credits nice to watch. Oh, just definitely. To Considering music. it was all just, I thought they could have done a bit more visually. It was all pretty much just black, you know, black with the text. They could have, and, but I made sure I waited till the end because I'm like, this is new enough. They could still have stingers of some kind, but I think it just came, ended up with um, Scott running out and um, jumping up in the air, I think, and then running off screen, I think. <laughs> yeah, like a little little comic book slash video game version of him just comes out at the end and. <laughs> Does a little punch and runs off. It's like okay, that was cute. A little nod there, but yeah. So, um, but yeah. So, but I, I'm I'm not one to analyse credits. But yes, we've had worse. <laughs> 
We have. It was decent to listen to, and I could definitely... It uh, was, wasn't a chore to sit through the credits, as it often is. And that means Scott... Uh, that, oh, God, my God, you Scott. My <laughs> goodness. said Scott so many times. That means, Christian, I think we've gotten to the end of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Well, mm. and I think it's we, we've still gone all over the place like the movie itself, so I, I think the filmmakers will be proud. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I did pick this movie, Christian, and we've come to that time where we need to uh, to let everyone out there know whether or not we found anything redeeming in this movie. And if we found it redeemable, I don't... I've got to get the feeling I think I know where this one's going. It's a bit <laughs> hard to tell. Uh, but I did pick this movie, Christian, so please, over to you. What are your thoughts? Okay, as you did say, we have sort of given away. I think I kind of spoiled it really, really early on. With I, I um, sort of said something about. It. <laughs> anyway, I um, look. This film was look. I had seen this years ago. I think when it first came out on DVD, and I, I couldn't remember anything about it. So I think I, I mustn't have either goshish at the time, or just wasn't in the mood. I don't know. It's one of those movies that you really need to. You need to know what. Uh, I, I don't know. As I said early, early on, you've got to let it sort of wash over you and go right. It's existing in its own universe, and it's Scott's Pilgrim, Scott's Pilgrim's world, and this is it. So, definitely appeals to so many different um, different people, like gamers, um, you know, people like me who just love um, seeing stuff like pop culture thrown at every opportunity, and not just not just spoken, but also visually as well. So, and that's the thing: so much is happening visually. There's so much flashy editing, and for someone like me who you know gets fidgety and and bit sort of distracted when watching movies, I need things like this to you know sort of capture my attention the whole time. And and this was definitely this. I think, as I said earlier, I think if you know video game adaptations that happen in the future, I think they could take a leaf out of this the book of this movie. You know, maybe not so much with the the one ups and all that sort of stuff on screen, but there's just there's just something about it that I think video game adaptations would really work quite well, I, and, and I believe that gamers would absolutely love this style. So this definitely calls for extra viewings. I, I definitely want to see that other ending you spoke about, but um, definitely think I'll be watching this again, not soon, but at some stage, and hopefully taking on board some more stuff, but definitely redeemable Trevor, and um, yeah, a bit of a hidden gem there, I think. Fair enough, so we've got a redeemable. Ooh, can I uh, can I give it that extra tick? Is there any mystery? Um, well, first up, uh, I think to 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 uh, use a term that was in the movie itself. Wow! This the, the way this movie starts is a quirky indie comedy with like comic book computer game references, and I think. If they had it kept going that way, it, it could have got pretty tired, but then it just shifts gear uh, when that first fight encounter comes in, and that's when everything really gets mixed up and, and things just go up. Edgar Wright's background as a music video producer, it shows. It shows. With the, the use of the music as, as, uh, as not only a complement to the movie, but also to even being the driver of the action itself in, in multiple times. And I love good use of music in movies, so this ticked a lot of boxes there. Uh, the characters all stood out, even the bit players. And even though Knives seemed a bit wishy-washy at first, she really did kind of make up for it later in the movie when she was trying to uh, get her own back on Ramona, especially once uh, we hit the final battle. 
the incidental sound effects and the little notes and, and things happening on screen really just added to the feeling of the movie and, and I think really helped it give it a that like real unique feeling. This is one time I think that putting my redeeming features hat on has paid off so well. Honestly, Christian, it felt like I was discovering this movie all over again. It was an experience. This movie found all the nerdy bits in me, as well as all the movie fan bits in me, and all the music fan bits in me, and made them all feel good. So, (laughs) Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is completely redeemable, and to be honest... I dare say I'm going to be watching it again within the next couple of days because my youngest has not seen it yet and I intend to fix that as soon as possible. Totally, 100%, without a doubt, redeemable. Well, I think that's definitely unanimous by the sound. And I'm so glad that we're on the same page with it, Trevor, because I think, you know, you know, we're both into totally different things as well most of the time. But, um, you know, I think this managed to, um, to cram them all in there for us to please us. So, yeah, I definitely think, um, yeah, I definitely think it was a great choice. And thank you for, yeah, reminding me to look at this movie again. Yeah, I, I think, I think at the end of the day, it just, it must have just been marketed wrong. That's all I can really think of. Like it's it's because I do remember when it came out and everyone was giving it good reviews, but no one was going to see it. So um, it must have just been something with the marketing of it or the promotion of it that just didn't sit right. So it's a shame it wasn't a big hit at the box office. I think it definitely deserved to be, but I, I do know it has well and truly found its audience now. And that's the thing. Like I mentioned that screening earlier, I think it's probably time. You know, it probably could be time soon to um, give the, the you know the film a bit of a a big screen revival because yeah, it's um, it's definitely something that you know it's it's a good capsule of a certain period of time as well. I said with you know, like I said earlier, with all that sort of you know modern jargon and, and sort of <laughs> tech savvy talk. So yeah, I think um, yeah, I think definitely people should um, if you haven't seen it already. Go and see it. If not, um, you know, give it a revisit if you've seen it before because there'll be lots that you um, might not have seen the first time around. Absolutely. So uh, before we move on, I don't know if we need the the fully redeemed review, but it's tradition. But I, I do have some other thoughts that have come through. I did put the call out on Facebook. Uh, Tim did get in touch on Facebook and said that it's the most perfect film ever created. <laughs> And with another uh, comment, I've actually got somebody with me right now. Uh, people out there may have heard her previously on the Rufus Project or, or as my co-host on the What the History podcast. More on that later when we start plugging stuff. Plug, so, plug, uh, plug. Susie, how about uh, what, what were your thoughts on uh, whether or not Scott Pilgrim is redeemable? Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, yes, Scott Pilgrim is definitely redeemable. I absolutely loved it uh, from start to finish and just it was all yay and joy and yay and okay. Yes, that's me. Redeemable. Completely redeemable. Get it out there. Woo! Okay, bye. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Again, unanimous. So even with another person added into the mix. Thank you, Susie. I think um, we... We've convinced a lot of listeners to go and see this movie. I say go and see like it's still at the cinemas. Maybe that's telling me something. I've got to admit, I, I did have second thoughts about suggesting this movie, and I actually had to convince myself to include it on the redeeming features list because I don't think it needed to be redeemed in the first place. I think that's come through loud and clear. 
And, of course, there are other people who are big fans of this movie as well, and we do like to finish on a super positive, positive note with a five-star review. So I've got one here ready to go. It's titled, Edgar Wright Does It Again. Edgar Wright, director of the critically acclaimed Cornetto trilogy, helms his adaptation of the series of graphic novels. Wright takes full advantage of the material, going as far as to perfectly recreate panels from the novels in certain shots. The visual effects are incredibly strong and are used to give the film a distinct feel, but surprisingly enough are, are used with care so it doesn't turn the film into a Michael Bay CGI fest. The attention to detail in the sound design and visuals is astounding, and they even go as far as to give each fight different sounds to make each scene feel unique. There is a lot of great comedy, as to be expected from a film by Edgar Wright. The soundtrack rocks, and the movie feels epic. The action sequences are well done, and overall, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, if you're a fan of action, rock music, comedy, or video games, it is the movie that you must own. Five stars. Well, <laughs> it sounds like there's some big fans out there. They either hate it or absolutely love it, I think. Yeah, I think um, there are a lot more uh, five-star reviews than one-star reviews. Let's just put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> oh, and as you said, uh, it was a film that I probably wouldn't have ever thought to, to suggest. So thank you for, uh, for suggesting it. <laughs> Trust me, this one was my pleasure. <laughs> Now, I don't know about whether the next one's going to be your pleasure, though, Trevor. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, that you, I believe it does actually come to that time where I have to suggest the next movie, and I must admit I've been a bit disorganised this time around, and um, I, I think we've done so many over the years that I've managed to get my way through most of the list. Ooh, well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually thought, well, look, I, I, I suppose we should have moved on from it because, you know, we, we last we did think of Friday, which is supposed to be a disco movie, and then I suppose we have essentially a rock movie with Scott Pilgrim. So, so doing a musical, our next one is probably naughty of me and probably a bit cheeky trying to, to cram it in. But I thought, you know, I went to give this film a bit of a revisit recently, and I'm like, you know what? I think we need to put our redeeming features hat on for this. Definitely not Trevor's kind of movie. Oh, it may be. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I know that um, it, it sort of suffered the same fate that the movie Musical Hair did. It was loved on stage, but then became a bit of a misfire on, on screen. In the 70s, the, this stage musical was one of the longest-running musicals of all time. I think it came along in the early 80s. It was made into a movie in 1985 and became one of the movie musical adaptations of all time. So I think it's time that we're going to go back and revisit... A chorus line. <laughs> See what I mean, Trevor? I never thought I'd be suggesting you to watch this. <laughs> a chorus line. I have never seen it. I have never been interested in seeing it. <laughs> but uh, you've got me curious now. Oh, my goodness. There is so much gold in the costumes and the image has just come up <laughs> as I've quickly... Tapped it into my tablet here. Holy dooly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's probably a bit of a rarer one. I know it's probably a harder one to find a copy of. But uh, I do have the DVD. I have seen it a few times. But I think um, I haven't put my redeeming features hat on when I've watched it. So, I, I think um, I think it's time to. And see, maybe, is it really as bad as everyone said it was? <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we will uh, guess we will find out. And, of course, our answer will be the definitive answer. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, now, if, 
if anybody out there does want to check out a chorus line before the next podcast, I'm afraid you're on your own. I've just had a quick peek, and uh, with the digital options, there are no options. So, um, oh, whoops, okay. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> oh my goodness, I, I, I don't know what to think. I've, I've seriously, I have no opinion whatsoever about a chorus line. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. So this is great. This is this so this is, is uh, completely this... going in um, open minded. Whereas I, I knew the musical, I know the musical quite well, and yeah. So I, I, yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll turn it on on its head and and, uh, <laughs> and give you something uh, something a bit different to watch. So yeah, I'll be interested to see what, what people think of that and what we can uncover. Fair enough. We're heading into fresh territory. Well, for me anyway. For the next <laughs> podcast, I'm excited. And talking about exciting things, Christian. I believe you've got a number of exciting things that you're organising around the Brisbane area in the near future. Oh, definitely. August and September 2017 are huge. We've got Australia's biggest Madonna party on the 19th of August. I've got movies such as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Robbie and Michelle's High School Reunion, High Fidelity, Beetlejuice, Lost Boys... All sorts of 80s classics are coming out over the next few months. Hey, I still managed to pack out these movies that are over 30 years old. So can you believe that I've almost sold out four screenings of Lost Boys? So definitely not 30 years old, but it's still as popular as ever. So there's just so much happening. So head to ChristianFletcher.com or Christian Fletcher Events on Facebook. Fantastic. And uh, if you're uh, interested in more podcast fun, uh, Susie, as you heard earlier, does join me in the uh, the sister podcast, I guess, to, to the Rufus Project, which is the What the History podcast, where Susie and I break down a couple of bits of bizarre history every fortnight in an effort to make you say What the History. Uh, it's also a nice, a nice, quick, fun podcast as well. So uh, certainly a, a, something you can listen to anytime um, pretty easily and that was deliberately uh, intended to to be like that I'm rambling now I shall move on <laughs> head to wthpod.rufusproject.com if you want to find out more about that or uh, if you want to search up the hashtag wthpod uh, that's actually now appearing regularly uh, nice and high in those searches. So uh, it's getting out there, which we're pretty happy about. So if you can, if you enjoy it, please share it around and help get it out there more. Fantastic. I definitely recommend What the History as well. And um, yeah, definitely the perfect sister or brother <laughs> Podca- <laughs> podcast for the redeeming Simply. features. Yes, we've got to mix it up somewhere from bad movies to historical information. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's a great combination. Absolutely, and uh, I think I think that's probably where we can wrap this up. I'm going to resist the urge to fully rewatch Scott Pilgrim now and just stick with trying to dig up that uh, that nice chow ending. And um, we uh, will be back in a couple of weeks to see if we can redeem a chorus line. Okay, we shall see. (laughs) Good luck with that one, Trevor. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm still processing. I'm still processing. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, So until next time, look, Christian, this has been an awesome chat about an awesome movie, which makes a nice change. Yeah, definitely. So thank you very much, Trevor, for suggesting it. And um, and I apologise or thank me in advance for suggesting <laughs> Chorus Line. <laughs> I look forward to our next chat. Absolutely. See you then. Bye. 
Let's continue, please. Step forward, tell me your real name, your stage name, if it's different, where you were born, how old you are. My name is Diana Morales. I didn't change it because I figured ethnic was in. And I'm from El Paso. El Paso, Texas. I'm 18 years old. Well, in last September. And I'm black. But you know me, Zach. You show me what to do, and I'm going to do the exact same way, eight shows a week, forever. They'd come here by the hundreds with a dream. I used to stand outside the stage door and watch the girls come out and think, can anything like that ever happen to me? But only eight can make it come true. I can't do it. You want the job, don't you? It's the chance of a lifetime. Okay, Larry, line them up. Stand five, six, seven, eight. A chorus line. First time we made love, it was a great. It's the line between determination. I don't need a handout. I need a job. I don't think she's been working too much. And frustration. Don't dance! You know what Zach's like when he's working. You keep interrupting him again. Hey, what are you talking to me like I'm a grown-up for? Between survival. You ever think about what you're going to do to stop dancing? Real life, I guess. And sacrifice. The only way that I could hold you was to be a star like you. It's the line between letting go. How about sex? Sex happens to be the one subject I can speak about with absolutely no authority whatsoever. <laughs> and letting loose. Give a man some room. It's the line between nowhere. You're all terrific. I wish I could hire you all, but I can't. And the stars. Now, Academy Award-winning director Richard Attenborough brings the history-making sensation to the screen. A chorus line. So that it's good, what's this movie? Do you think we should? Got bad I love dodgy creatures, but we want to know what the redeeming features. Boy? Oh boy. Christian and Trevor on the case, watching movies from all over the place. I'm BB, said it's bad, but we want to know, is it fun to be had? Boy? Oh boy. Redeeming features. called I am so sad I am so very very sad goes a little something like this thank you not a race guys